As we uh, end our Sunday together this morning, I want us to meditate on two verses from our New Testament reading. So we reread from John chapter 14. We read the last half of that chapter. And this morning, or this evening, I want us to consider verses 25 and 26. So John 14, 25 and 26, just for a few minutes before the Lord sends us out into our week. Let me read these to us. John 14, 25 and 26. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is God's word. I know that we often talk about the doctrine of the Trinity as this big idea that maybe is a little bit um, difficult to get our minds around, um, but something that we should believe because Orthodox Christians believe it. And so it, it can seem sometimes more like a, a problem to be solved than a blessing. I hope that tonight we can see a way in which the Trinity is a blessing. Because here in our passage, we see the Trinity. We see it as Jesus speaks of his Father sending the Spirit to us in his name. The Father, Son, and Spirit working together for the good of God's people. There's the Trinity for you. One God in three persons working to bless people in a saving way. So the Holy, Sp the Holy Spirit is said here to be sent by the Father for the sake of our instruction in the Son's teachings. Tonight I want us to think about three, three things in regard to the Spirit. The Spirit's source, the Spirit's focus, and the Spirit's ministry or work. So first, let's look at the Spirit's source. Jesus would have us see that the Spirit is the Holy Spirit sent by the Father in the name of the Son. So the Holy Spirit's not a rogue agent. He is one with the Father and the Son. We confess this in the Nicene Creed, that he proceeds from the Father and the Son. But I want you to see that to say the Holy Spirit is sent is not a way of saying that the Spirit is somehow inferior to God and just sort of doing the Father's bidding. It is actually a way of saying just the opposite. To say he is sent is to say that he is the Spirit of the Father, God's Spirit. Just as the way we would see the Son is being sent. He is the Son, the one begotten of the Father. It, it actually communicates his oneness with God, Father, Son, and Spirit. So saying he is sent actually emphasizes the unity of the Godhead because we see Father, Son, and Spirit working in perfect unity. The Spirit's source is God. He is, in, he is sent by the Father. He is a Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son. And we are blessed because God the Father sends the Spirit in the name of the Son. Right? Jesus says that he is sent in his name. By sending the Son and the Spirit, the Father is present with us. Later in the New Testament, we'll learn that this whole, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Adoption. And so by God sending the Spirit in the name of the Son, the Father makes us sons of God. 
One writer says we borrow Christ's sonship and get to kind of put it on. John would have us marvel at the adopting love of God. In his letter in 1 John 3, 1, he said, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. You know, if you know an older version, Behold what manner of love the Father. You might have memorized the little song, right? Behold it, that we should be called children or sons of God. Because the Spirit comes to us in the name of the Son and gives us new life and indwells us, we are now able to call God as Father. So another way we see the Trinity, whether you think you see it or not, anytime you pray to God as your Father. You can only pray to God as the Father because there is the Son who came and was sent by the Father to save us and who has given us His Spirit. The theologian Fred Sanders puts it this way, Jesus, the Son of God, opens up the path of sonship, and the Spirit puts us into it. God's Spirit puts us into sonship. So God the Father brings us into fellowship with him by sending the Son and the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Spirit source for saying that he is of God. He is God. He is one with the Father and the Son. And So that's where we're starting tonight. He is the one sent by the Father he is sent to us by God, and because of that, we have access to God. Number two, the Spirit's focus. We see that the Spirit here is focused on the words of the Son. So in verse 25, Jesus draws attention to his own teaching, what he has spoken to the disciples while he's been with them. Then in verse 26, his speech continues to be the focus. He says the Holy Spirit is focused on reminding the disciples what Jesus has said. Did you notice that? He said the Spirit's going to do two things in verse 27 or 26. The helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father sends in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So we have these two groups of things, all things with a special focus on all that I have said to you. That's what the Spirit is focused on. He's focused on the words of the Son. Now, we know that Jesus taught many things, right? We could read through all four Gospels and find many teachings of Jesus. But we know that the focus of his teaching is that he came preaching the Gospel. That is why he came, to preach the Gospel and to proclaim repentance for the kingdom of God is at hand. In John, many of Christ's words are spent on teaching about faith. So if you just plug in, you know, whosoever believes into your search engine, you'll find over and over again verses that chronicle in John the benefits of faith. Whoever believes in my name has eternal life. Whoever believes in the Son shall not perish. Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but him who sent me. So by faith in Jesus, we have life. We are spared from the death we deserve, and we have fellowship with God, right? That's what he says in that last quote from John 12, 44. It's not just faith in Christ. We are united to his Father, the one who sent him by faith in him. So the Spirit's focus is on bringing supernatural understanding of the gospel message that Christ taught. He's going to call to mind uh, to our minds, the truths that he taught. And these truths primarily are centered on himself and his saving work. 
Elsewhere in the same chapter, he says the spirit is the spirit of, of truth. He is our teacher. So the blessing of receiving the spirit is the blessing of having our eyes opened to the truth of Christ. The spirit focuses on Christ. This is why J.I. Packer said the spirit's ministry is a spotlight ministry. He's shining his spotlight on Jesus. He's focused on Christ. And finally, let's finish, spend a few minutes thinking about the Spirit's ministry or the Spirit's work. Here in this passage, he's called the helper. And he also is said to teach and to bring to remembrance. The name helper in the context of this chapter means something like comforter. The Spirit's work is to bring comfort to the souls of God's people. And we've already been looking at the way the Spirit does this. One way he does this is by reminding us of the truths that are ours in Christ. He calls to mind that our unsolvable problem, that we have sinned against God and deserve his judgment, that because of Christ's coming, that problem has been solved. The Spirit calls to remembrance the things of Christ. In John 1, we're told that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. We're told that apart from faith, we are already condemned. We stand under God's judgment. Nicodemus was told that he must be born again because he was spiritually dead. We're all spiritually dead in our sins. The Spirit reminds us of these wonderful truths that in Christ, we can be reconciled to God. And by the Spirit's power, we can be born again, right? Jesus says that the wind blows where it wishes. It can only happen by God's initiating sovereign work, making us alive and giving us faith in the saving work of Christ. So the Spirit comforts by reminding us that our sin problem has been dealt with and that we have eternal life and fellowship with God through Jesus. Another way we might sum up the Spirit's comforting work is with the word abide. So if you kept reading from John 14, you'd get to John 15. And John 15 is all about abiding in Christ. Let me read a few verses. Jesus says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has glorified me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. It can be no mistake that this imagery of mutual abiding follows this promise of the Holy Spirit. Right? God has already promised that he will make his home with us Right? He will dwell in his people, and that we will be united to God. And we see this image now picked up in this, this metaphor of the, the vine and the branches, and this call to abide. So it's by the Spirit, sent by the Father in Jesus' name, that we abide in Christ, and Christ abides in us. As the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance all that Christ has said, his words abide in us. Not only does the Holy Spirit call to mind God's words, but he enables our obedience. As we're empowered by the Spirit, we can obey God. And as we fellowship with Christ in obedience to him, we experience his joy, right? Jesus said he's telling these things 
to, to keep his commandments and abide in him for our joy, that his joy may be in us. It makes me think of the, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Christ found joy in obeying his father even to the point of death. He would have us experience the same joy as we obey him by the power of the Spirit. The description of abiding in Christ in John 15 brings us back to the idea of sonship again. Jesus says that when we abide in him, we keep his commandments and we can ask anything of the Father in his name. In other words, we get to behave like sons, right? Isn't that what Jesus, the eternal son, did when he became the incarnate son? As in his flesh, he was the perfectly obedient son. And he had the perfect prayer life, right? Jesus is always praying. He, he could ask the Father anything, even to take the cup from him at the last moment, right? Jesus gives us that same privilege. He calls us to that same kind of sonship. He would have us enjoy it, enjoy the privileges of sonship, to be obedient sons and the kinds of sons that bring all of our requests to him. So the Father sends the Holy Spirit in Christ's name to teach us how to be sons of God. These are glorious truths. I think we can learn a lot just by meditating on them, but we need to apply it to our lives as we end our Lord's Day. So here's a few applications. The first one is just what I said. Rejoice that you have the Spirit. Think on these things. You know, meditating that on what God has given us can help us not to take it for granted, right? If we're struggling, perhaps, with, with anger at God or resentment that, that we've been treated unfairly or that our, our, our lives are hard and difficult, we might be helped to repent by meditating on the greatness of his gift to us. God has not shortchanged us or failed us in any way. He has sent us his Holy Spirit. He has given us new life. He reminds us of God's love. He makes us sons of God. He teaches us. He enables our obedience. He leads us in the way of joy and peace. He makes intercession for us. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So rejoice in the Spirit that you have been given the Spirit of God. Secondly, meditate on the things of Christ. This is kind of a, a simple point, but I'm a simple person. This helps me. So if, if the Spirit's job is to bring to mind the teachings of Christ, one way we can keep in step with the Spirit, so to speak, is by thinking on the things of Christ. Give our mind to who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Our fellowship with God is based on Christ's work for us on the cross. So spend time each day confessing your sins to God and rejoicing in who Jesus is for you and that he has purchased forgiveness for you through the gospel. The little book that Brother Jimmy gave us all that his dad wrote about the uniqueness of Christ is just full of scriptures from the Gospel of John about Jesus. That might be a useful tool for you to think of the things of Christ. Look for different ways to meditate on who Jesus is, how he's given himself to you in the gospel. Give yourself to this work because this is what the Spirit would, would do for you. He would encourage you by calling to mind the riches that are yours in Christ. Think of the things of Christ. And don't only think of the gospel of Christ, but think of the commands of Christ. 
And this leads us to our third application. Fellowship with God through obedience to God. Fellowship with God by keeping Christ's commands. Isn't that what he tells us to do in John 15? Abide in me by keeping my commands. What has Christ commanded you to do? Right? We are going to be tempted by sin. We are going to find excuses not to love and serve the people around us. We'll find reasons to indulge our sinful desires instead of relying on God. But I wonder if we've left a tool on the table that we could use. We've neglected a motivation for obedience. We've neglected the idea that we can fellowship with God by our obedience. As we love our kids or our spouse, even when they're not especially lovely, we're fellowshipping with Christ who died for his enemies. Right? We're sharing something in common, right? Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. He invites us to likewise lay down our lives in fellowship with him in the spirit. We abide in Christ and Christ abides in us as we obey him. The spirit was given so, so that we would obi- abide in Christ and keep his commandments. Sometimes we complain that God feels far off. I'm not d- d- belittling that. I'm, I know that we go through times in our lives where that's, that's really how we feel. Our spiritual lives have a certain flatness or coldness. It's worth asking, in those times, is there a lack of obedience to Christ's commands? It should be the case that faith empowers our obedience, you know, that we, we're joyful in the Lord and therefore we obey. But it's also true that obedience can encourage our faith. As we obey Christ, we fellowship with him. This, this is not faking it till you make it. This is obeying Christ, whether you feel like it or not, and knowing that in obedience there is joy and fellowship with Christ. We receive and live in the power of the Spirit as we obey. Fourth application is to bring everything to God in prayer. When we abide in Christ, Jesus invites us to ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, this is not like a genie giving you three wishes, right? This is the privilege that sons of God have. When we receive the spirit of adoption and we love God as our Father, we learn to depend on him and to delight in his law. Our desires are aligned with him. And so we call on God as our Father in heaven. Another way to put it is we, we pray as our Lord, the Son of God, taught us to pray. We often call the Lord's Prayer that name, right? He's our Lord, but we call it the Son's Prayer, right? This is the prayer that sons pray. Jesus, Jesus lets us borrow his words and kind of step into his sonship and pray to our Father in heaven. So we pray God, hallowed be your name. We pray for his will to be done. We pray for his forgiveness when we sin. We pray for his help to forgive those who sin against us. We pray for our everyday needs. We pray for his kingdom to come. We learn to pray in his way. This this doesn't mean this is the limit of what we can pray for. But this is the starting point of where we pray for, and it aligns us with God. This is the prayer of sonship. As sons, we cast all our cares upon God. Why? Trusting in his fatherly care for us, right? We cast our cares upon him because he cares for you. 
This is what the Holy Spirit would lead us to do. We should apply these truths both in our individual lives, but also in our lives together. So as the church, we are the community of adopted children of God. That same theologian I mentioned a few minutes ago, Fred Sanders, says that adoption in God's economy is even more powerful than than human adoption because when God adopts us, he gives us new hearts. He changes us from the inside out to become his sons. So we are the church of regenerated, adopted sons of God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. So our brothers talked about the sisters' fellowship, right? And that word can kind of ring funny on our ears, but it shouldn't. It's a, it's a reality. We are a new family created in Christ Jesus, brothers and sisters. We're, we rejoice together because we have received the Spirit of God. We gather in corporate worship, and one of the main reasons we gather is to meditate on the things of Christ, both his gospel and his commands, And we seek to fellowship with Christ together in our obedience. We're seeking to obey together all that Christ commanded, especially the the one another's of the New Testament as we live our lives together. And we collectively bring our requests to God. We do that in our pastoral prayer. We've done a little bit of that tonight. I hope you see that it's good news that the Father sent the Spirit in the name of the Son. The Spirit has come to comfort us to pour out God's love into our hearts, according to Paul in Romans 5. He's come to lead us into all truth. Through the Spirit, God has adopted us as his sons so that we may live together in the joy of sonship. Let's pray. Father, we pray for your forgiveness if in any way We have belittled the blessing of the Spirit. If we've discounted it, help us, Father, to rejoice that you have given us this precious gift, that you indwell us, that you've made us alive, that you teach us, and that you have given us this adoption as your sons. We pray that we would take our sonship seriously, that we would seek to abide in you, abide in Christ, and keep his commands that we would bring our requests to you, that we would learn to pray and live as your sons. We pray that our church would reflect these truths as well together, that we would be obedient together, that we would magnify the things of Christ together. We pray for your blessing as we leave from this place, that you would protect us until you bring us back together. We pray again for our boldness, that we would live in light of your Spirit's work that we would seek to proclaim the gospel so that our friends and neighbors might be made alive by your spirit. We pray for your help as we love our families and our neighbors and co-workers, that we'd be faithful in all things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.